ready for another episode of Wanderings and Wool Gathering? Good. Here's Foggy. Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, episode 53, proudly hosted by North Central Indiana's Rock 98.5. Tonight's show is sponsored by Small Giant Designs, a uniquely creative, all-in-one design and marketing agency offering print, web, video, and marketing. Visit smallgiantdesigns.com to get started. Tonight on the show, we're going to play Who's That Band, inspired by Lester Banks. We're going to discuss our favorite songs from the 70s, and we're going to review Fiona Apple. I'm your host, Foggy, and with me, as always, is Metalhead Monday. Step inside into his mind, it's boy band time, it's Metalhead Monday. How's everybody doing? Very good, thank you. And tea bags. Swinging deep into the valleys of Liptonia. That's nasty. Able to plunge from high altitudes, only to land with a gentle splat. That's nasty. Receiving only the finest education from his instructor, Earl Grey. It's... It's... Tea bags. Too hot for TV. Hey, guys. Good evening, tea bags. And back, hopefully staking his claim to the microphone again, is JPP. Easy listening sounds for the hard of hearing. It's JPP. Hello, hello. How's it going? Quite well, thank you. Excellent. And Eddie Vedder's protege, Joe Rife, joins us again. Uh, 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 hey, hey, what's up? Joe, Joe, he's our man. If he can't do it, well, I'm just going to have to find somebody else. I mean, it's short <laughs> notice, but we'll, we'll get to it. <laughs> Shouldn't That's right. We're all nice. happy. <laughs> Good evening, fellas. Evening. Sorry we had to do this during the NFL draft. It's the only sports activity we get for a while, but it was pretty slow, 15 minutes at a time. Yeah, I'm never interested in that too much. I like the next day a lot better because it goes faster. <laughs> Once it gets to the guys nobody cares about. Oh, we care about them. Sometimes. <laughs> But, you know, 15 minutes for the Bengals to take Joe Burrow, really? That was just 15 <laughs> minutes for the people to talk about it, because everybody knew who was going first and second. So, mm-hmm. yeah, should have been no wait time. All right, fellas. We are uh, going to have a 70s-themed show this evening. Sweet. So with that in mind, we're going to have our challenge inspired by Lester Bangs. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? Yes. For the challenge. Okay. I think I pulled everything out of here that would need to be. Who's banging it? Marty, I want you to wait. Don't you want me to that. wait? Yeah, because you cheat. How do I cheat? Because you get them all. Because I know things. <laughs> <laughs> he hides notes in his miraculous beard. I think he does. And I look pretty and I know things. That's all I got going for me. <laughs> okay, here we go. Now you tell me. Now, I jumped in mid, midway through this, and this is actually from the 70s. This isn't something written today about something back then. This was actually written back in the 70s. It says, the question remains, however, how good is this band? Their huge success may be as much a reflection of industry trends as a direct tribute to their own talents. The way pop music seems to be working these days parallels the movie business in that the really successful products are more massively successful than ever before. In past couple of years, uh, three pop acts have become the musical equivalents of films like Jaws or Star Wars. Peter Frampton, Fleetwood Mac, and now this band. Of those, 
This group has enjoyed greater critical favor than Mr. Frampton, but appreciably less than Fleetwood Mac. And that ranking corresponds to this observer's taste. Mr. Frampton seems decently competent, personally pleasant and fatally bland. This group is highly professional craftsmen who make catchy, appealing of no special value or profundity. Fleetwood Mac generally deals in the currency of the frothy pop song, but does it with rare buoyance and mixes it irresistibly with mystery and maturity. Any guess? You said this was going to be easy. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to think of anyone that would fit between Brampton and Fleetwood Mac. Hmm? Hmm. I mean, if there was a Sound City variable in there, I mean, they'd give me a list of artists to kind of choose from in that vein. I would go like Rick Springfield or something, but he's a little mm-hmm. too, too poppy, I think, for, for this particular application. This group's new popularity is also explained as the latest in the long line of whites appropriating black styles. Modern disco grew out of black, Puerto Rican, and or homosexual discotheques in New York. Oh. Um, Now do we have a guess? Village people? Beastie boys. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) New York, white. It's the the 70s. Yeah, they were they were just young buxom kids at that time. Middle school beastie boys. (laughs) Yeah. I think they were still quasars. They're not men, yeah. They're beastie men now. Beastie boys come in. Beasties. There's your matchup. Well, I almost said Zeppelin, but that's not No. Yeah, I mean, they would have hit early, way earlier than the late 70s. This group isn't the first white group to score with disco sounds. The Bee Gees? Bee Gees? Yes. Uh, oh, I should have known. <laughs> there were some other comments above it. They were just like, oh, yeah, you just would definitely nail that. I thought maybe bringing in mid-70s, attaching it to movies, might throw that in there for you. With I mean, it makes sense now. <laughs> <laughs> And it, of course, money got it. You should be dancing, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see? It does <laughs> make me feel like dancing. <laughs> Indeed. Now, the big question is going to be, is any song by the BDs going to appear on our top 570 songs tonight? It may or, or may, may not. <laughs> <laughs> um, I almost threw it on there from Tavares from the same soundtrack. Because that's Yeah. <laughs> well that is a great segue into the challenge tonight which uh, each of us are going to come up with five songs from the 70s that we really love we're not going to go round robin we're just going to reel these off bang them out yep and uh, i'm going to keep track so uh, we will start alphabetical order so that brings us to tony correct bags comma t (laughs) (laughs) um i sir i don't have five so i'm just gonna say all five pink floyd albums from the 70s (laughs) (laughs) that's how many songs per album t-bags you know for those who haven't listened from you know day one t-bags typically bends the rules now he's become the kid that sits in the back who didn't do the book report (laughs) yeah rules rules. what read the first page read the last page you know the dog died what do you want (laughs) all right then let's go with uh jpp let's hear your five Okay, me, me, me. All right. So I uh, will we'll keep this brief, but um, I, I went through and found, you know, songs that 
definitely hit from bands that I, I liked. And then I threw one in there and I, I will take a moment to explain it. <clears throat> Number five was Pink Floyd time from dark side of the moon. It's hard to pick, you know, just one song from that classic album. I went with night fever from the Bee Gees, So kicked myself in the pants for not getting the mustard bangs. Right. But <laughs> this song kind of epitomizes a lot of what involved and in, evolved into techno house and electronic music. You can hear elements of it in Daft Punk and, and other music that I love too. So they definitely get a nod for the disco era kind of giving, um, some influence to future generations of music catchy and fun you don't have to sell me uh, right on <laughs> bob seger cat man do nice high energy tune oh, nice. and great uh, song great, yeah great song. my mom loved bob seger and uh got me into him as well as a kid so i i definitely had to um you know tip my hat to to the man himself uh black sabbath's hand of doom uh, came out in 70. You got to love a nice little mellow groove for a heavy band, and then they just rip your head off with the chorus. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think Danzig did a um, cover of that yes. on Danzig 5, yeah. which is kind of more straightforward, but still impressive and fun. With and Jerry Cantrell on guitar. That's right. That's right. Good. <laughs> Excellent for the... Man, you got to quit hiding the cliff notes in your beard, I'm telling you. Um, <laughs> and then I went with uh, number one because it kind of lends into the era <laughs> that I grew up with. I went with It's Electric by Diamond Head. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, they were part of the new wave of British heavy metal movement. Uh, came out in 1980. So I looked it up. Technically, 80 is the end of the 70s decade because you go from 1 to 10. <laughs> so uh, I pulled the tea bags and, and moved that in, into the equation. So that counts. <clears throat> I love it. As long as you don't pick one in 70 and 80, it's all good. Yes. <laughs> I, I just heard that you pulled tea bags. <laughs> I can't go to the doctor right now. I got to wait this out. So, yeah. so, so do a virtual do visit. You can do a video chat with your doctor on that one. Yeah, do that. Do it. <laughs> back away from the camera. Please back away. I can't, I can't discern what that is. I'm looking Apparently that's been happening in a lot of Zoom videos. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Excellent. Those are five great choices, and I bet there will not be any repeats. Thank you. All right. We're going to to Mr. Mundy. Okay. Number five is a sentimental favorite. Uh, went with Lonesome Loser from Little River Band from 1979. Nice. Uh, number four is, uh, I mean, you can't... <sighs> You can't have like 70s rock and pop without Billy Joel. So, one of my favorite Billy Joel songs is She's Got Away from 1971. Excellent. Um, ACDC, come on, man. I mean, it's ACDC. They ruled the <laughs> 70s. Uh, one of my favorites from them is Whole Lot of Rosie from 1977. Um, one and two. Kind of, I went back and forth on these for a little bit, and I settled on number two. I went with uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. I mean, you know, Queen. That's uh, yeah. come on. That's no no brainer there. My number one. Uh, I would not be the metalhead I am without this band and their first kind of kind of release that came out was uh, Black Sabbath. The song Black Sabbath from 1970. Nice. Would you look at that? <laughs> He's got to look at it. Yeah, you said Black Sabbath, and I was like, uh-oh, oh. but then you said Hand of Doom, so I was like, whew. 
<laughs> all right. I'm I'm fairly certain we're not going to match any tonight. We're going to have all varied songs. That's good. Yeah, we're we're not going to make make our uh, projected what what do we say six out of twenty five that would overlap was our guess. So, <laughs> which one was your deep cut? Monday was a Little River Band. Uh, yeah, that was my number five. I I love them, but I mean, in the scope of the seventies, it's more of a sentimental favorite because that that. Their greatest hits tape was I, I don't remember that ever not being in my dad's vehicle. So like I listened to that a lot with him. So I've always loved them. And gotcha. man, those harmonies are whew. Yeah, very good. What Too was their you. big tune? Was that Cool Change? Was that the big Little River Band uh, song? That might be one of them. I don't know if that was their biggest. Lonesome Loser was a pretty big hit. And then yeah. Uh, man, they had one called Lady, and I don't know. There, there's a few more. There's one that should be right on the one I'm thinking of. I can't pull the name of it, but uh, they've got. If you I'll listen, look away. at top songs. It's reminiscing, cool, reminiscing, change, Lady. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> you know, you said Little River Band. And the first thing I thought was River Bottom Nightmare Band. <laughs> <laughs> I love them too. I do. But different, different era. Yeah, but Otter's Jug Band kicked their butt. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Rife. All right. I got a mix of, uh, I think the, I hear the 70s is big arena rock, big guitar rock. I threw some social commentary in there. And then there's a pivot at the end. So I don't really have an order. I Maybe chronological. But um, my first one I'll mention is Baba O'Reilly, not just because it's a big song from a big album and a big band, but it was kind of the uh, death of the sixties happening. And that song, I think they wrote it as a response to seeing some kids laying around at a concert and thinking that the free love era was over. Uh, so Bob O'Reilly by the who, uh, my number two is Layla. It's got a song within the song because I love the last like three minutes. Yeah. I, I sometimes just skip to the end and listen to the, the piano um, and the, the whole the whole deal at the end there. Clapton and his most passionate. I think Clapton to me represents the seventies. So mm-hmm. uh, then we pivot to Marvin Gaye. What's going on? Um, I written, almost had it on my list. We'd had it. We, that would have been an overlap. That would have been cool. Yeah. Um, stuff going on personally with Marvin Gaye at the time, looking around at society at the time. Um, some of the recording, even down to the chord structure and the, the theory behind the song. Um, makes it a really solid track and then a huge pivot which is going to seem kind of weird i put a disco tune on here too mine was i will survive by gloria gainer um because of the uh it might fit with our with our album tonight with the female empowerment vibe and the and the uh taking the power back kind of thing but um it's not got the the fluff disco lyrics that most disco has it's got a little bit more depth and substance to it so we're gonna throw a disco tune in pick one that's got some you know, uh, and then number five is just kind of a. Um, uh, I'll just throw it out there. My Sharona by the Knack, nineteen seventy nine. Oh, I almost, almost made mine too. <laughs> uh, so you know, you know what I'm talking about. It's just yes. that, just that hard. Yes. I'm trying to play and like look at you guys at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> But it pivoted the uh, pivoted the decade away too from that big arena rock into new wave and into the pop music that happened in the eighties and and so I kind of saw it as a pivot song. So there you go, my top five. Good stuff, man. Nice. Good. 
Yeah, so seeing his songs, we almost overlapped twice, but um, we didn't as I switched. But um, so, yeah, we're going to have 20 songs that are all different. Fantastic. Hooray for diversity. <laughs> I, I was going to say, too, you, you mentioned um, in the Gloria Gaynor song. That's one of those tunes, too, that, you know, my wife or when she's out with friends and we've been out with them, too. And if that came on in the jukebox, it seemed like everybody was belting it out. So, it's, yeah, it, it's a staple anthem for sure, mm-hmm. um, you know, for that era. Should have changed that stupid lock. <laughs> <laughs> I like the cake's uh, rendition. I can't say it here, but. Uh-huh. <laughs> Why not? Because we would get kicked <laughs> off the air. All righty. So my tracks are actually six through ten because one through five were Rush songs, but I'm not going to do it. So. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Surprise. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so. I don't know that mine are in any particular order. Um, 1970, so I'll go to the start of the decade. I went with your song, Elton John. It's such yeah. a great song, and so many different people have done it, and it just works for everybody. Love the message. Just a really good song. Also, at the beginning of the decade, this was a fun one when we were in high school, played it all the time. It's The Doors' Peace Frog. Oh, yeah. Mm, yeah. 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 And then that beat was stolen from another group, and they uh, what just was that? heard the, that uh, the other day. Uh, what was that group? I don't know. Dragon. Mm-hmm. It was a uh, Imagine Dragons, or no, no, no. It was before oh. them. Oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, yeah. uh, I think about it a little bit. Beastie Boys. <laughs> Sorry. Smash <laughs> Mouth. Incorrect. <laughs> Smash Mouth. <laughs> well, I was doing a Google search and it pulled up and said by Smash Mouth. I was like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> it wasn't called Peace Frog though when they did it. It was just the beat. They added one extra beat. It was kind of like the uh, the thing oh, with Bowie. Third base. Yeah. The cactus. Nope, that's not it. <laughs> Third <laughs> right base. Holy crap. It says right here. Real I'm, cool. There's another one. I'm gonna find it when we're done here. Actually, okay. we were, I was in college, and it was kind of a like hipster group. Um, anyway, let's move on. Paul, you can keep looking. <laughs> Smash Mouth uh, was supposed to be the Doors, weren't they, when they came out with Walking on the Sun? Uh, <laughs> weren't there comparisons? Am I wrong about that, or am I thinking? Oh. I hope there were no comparisons. <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to go watch Shrek. <laughs> uh, That's the only time that song should ever be relevant. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. Okay, next song. Uh, Led Zeppelin, When the Levee Breaks. Just one of the oh, coolest yeah. grooves ever. I know it's yeah. not their song. It's a remake, but that's the one that everybody knows. It so. is a great groove, though. Yeah, <laughs> it is super groove. Then I go with um, Peter Frampton, the live mm. version of Baby, I Love Your Way. Um, Big song. Yeah, yeah, that was, I love that. It was good. And then uh, this group. I think really was for me the precursor to loving Smashing Pumpkins with layered guitars and um, kind of the big arena rock Joe was talking about. Uh, Boston's more than a feeling. So, and it mentions mm-hmm. Mariana too. So mm-hmm. maybe there's something there. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. So we did it. No overlaps. Here Paul, did you find it? Did you find That's it? Cool. I, I did not. I'm sorry. Google is failing me. I'm seeing pictures of peace frogs from the t-shirts, Morrison <laughs> oh, Hotel. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing base yeah. cover and third base. That was it. So, so listeners, if you so know, sure. if you know, please tweet us or hit us up on the Facebook page. Let us know. I would just like to point out that we've mentioned third base twice now, and that's more than they've been mentioned in the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah. When was the first time? 
True. They had a couple of hits, but that was about it. Definitely. And, uh, you know, I do have their CD, full disclosure, and I enjoy it. <laughs> All right. Well, so next week, we're going to have a new challenge from JPP. What is that challenge? <clears throat> I'm going to switch it up on you guys. You know, I, I come back for two episodes and I'm going to get innovative. What the heck? Um, so we're going to do a real-time challenge. I'm not going to give you one to do today, but I'm going to create a couple of categories where we're going to have some uh, lists of artists and stuff like that. And then you're going to have to, it's kind of like you can only take five albums on an Island with you, which five do you take? But this <laughs> one's going to be, this is a band that you can't listen to ever again. Which one is it going to be? Um, so, you know, I had full disclosure, I am borrowing this from, from some colleagues that I heard them do. And I thought, Hey, that's a fun game. I want to play. So I will, uh, I'll create some some uh, lists for you guys there, and we'll we'll do them on the spot. Cool. Sounds no prep, no prep beforehand, huh? Yep. So you guys get a oh, week cool. free of no Lester Bangs and no homework. You guys are on spring break. <laughs> we do have two albums though, so we've got to yeah. work that out for us. Yes, your your earwaves will be will be busy. <laughs> All right, and this is where we insert challenge accepted. Boom. So it's time for the album review. I'm sorry to jump in. I know this is usually your transition, but given that we talked about uh, Smash Mouth, it's only fitting that we're talking about Fiona. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, so yeah, Fiona Apple has a new record out. Uh, Fetch the Bolt Cutters. And the album title is very indicative of the nature of the album. Um, it pervades pretty much every song on the album. And so uh, how do we want to do this, gentlemen? We should jump in track by track, overview of the album. What are we feeling? Uh, I, uh, I didn't do a track by track uh, <laughs> review of it. I just I kind of gave an overview and just my general thoughts on, you know, of course, the production aspect of it and um, the art of it in nature. So if you guys want to kick it off, I can jump in <clears> somewhere. <throat> We'll let you give your overview here in a second. I thought just real fast, one thing that um, in case listeners haven't heard. So the, the album was recorded in her apartment. So the whole thing was done there. So it's really appropriate for this COVID era, which it was obviously recorded prior to that. But it seems kind of appropriate now that an artist could sit in their apartment and record something of this nature, something this good. So uh, JPP production quality, what do you think? You know, I thought it was good. Um, I, it's funny because Monday texted me, I'm very interested to get your take on this album. So I, I felt kind of uh, um, put in the corner in terms of, okay, where, where's this going? But, uh, you know, nonetheless, I, I gave that's, it a... That's not why I said that. <laughs> I know, I know. But when I got the reaction, I had, I just, I barely laughed. I'm not going to lie. But um, I, I gave it a couple of listens today while I was working. And it was interesting because I, I went in blind, you know, I didn't go and do any kind of Google searches. I had to find the name of the album and that was it. And then, so I gave it a listen and I thought, wow, this, this album is interesting in that there's a ton of elements kind of going on. It had the little drum machine at the beginning and it wasn't really formulaic. It was kind of chaotic and um, just, you know, somewhat rhythmic, but yet 
disjunct. And then I found the rest of the album to have that nature to it too. Uh, the drums were kind of in the distance and almost sound like things were getting, you know, banged on in the, in a junkyard. Uh, the singing is somewhat loose. I mean, there's melodies, but there's times when there's not melodies and it's kind of partially spoken and loosely melodic, but not really following the key hundred percent in, in a couple spots. And, um, I came to appreciate that because everything certainly had a, a deep intent to it. Um, even the other parts like the baseline and other pieces of the piano and stuff like that at times they have their own moment where they're just kind of loose and airy and they're not necessarily following a tight rhythmic structure like we would expect with say rush or a thrash band or something like that and you know they're they're in key but they're just kind of free to roam and and things of that sort so i did some searching and i found that you know the title was based off of uh the show the fall there was a, a line that she called a throwaway line in the middle of one of the scenes where they said fetch me the bolt cutters they were freeing somebody that had been kidnapped and she went and wrote it down on her chalkboard and made that the the basis of the album and she's talking about basically liberating herself from people's narratives about her, their perception of her, and how she was trying to live up to that. Not so much the press and media, but just, you know, the internal dialogue that she's created in her head for people as a child onward. And so once I read that, this whole album made sense to me in that regard. Um, you know, it's definitely not the kind of borderline trip hop and the pop from the 90s or anything like that. This is very artsy very mature and and very methodical with a, a deep metaphor with with the, the album title it's basically you know letting everything explore and have some freedom from you know the kind confines that she put upon herself all these years yeah i think some of those elements you're talking about to me had a real jazzy feel mm -hmm. um, and it had a real beat poetry feel yeah she was exactly. singing or speaking singing <clears throat> Yeah, anybody else want to go album over? I, I took a lot of notes song by song because a lot of them hit me lyrically. And a lot of them hit me being involved in kids' lives every day. There were a lot of things I could take away from this as well. So any other overviews before we jump in? Uh, well, Paul and Steve, you both know I absolutely I <laughs> hated this album. <laughs> and that's uh, okay. I will never, ever listen to it again. <laughs> um, I felt assaulted. <laughs> no, not really. I'm kidding. There. That's a bit um, extreme. I, I mean, I get it. I get what it's supposed to be. I understand where she's coming from. Uh, but man, I just I could not get into it. There was, I'm I listened to the whole thing and I made like you know one or two line notes. Most of them not positive. Um. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple of songs that I thought were okay, but overall, I mean, I just could not wait for this to end. I hated it so much. <laughs> Would it even register a one out of five? Uh, I'd give it a one for effort, but it really it felt like <laughs> a participation trophy. This feels like an art project that I had to sit through. Like uh, it was, uh, I did not enjoy this experience. <laughs> Um, so basically you, you hated it musically yes uh, I didn't dive terribly into most of the lyrics because of that because what I hear first is the music that's just how I process music mm -hmm. I hear the music first I connect with that and then I, I will dive into the lyrics I mean I you know I, I read a little bit about it and I know I mean obviously I can make out most of the lyrics but 
you know, I, I know what this project is supposed to be and what it represents for her. And it's amazing that she is able to do that and do this, put it all together in her apartment and have this outlet for, you know, whatever she's feeling, whatever she wants to express. That's great. I'm all for that. But I, it just didn't connect with me. Yep. Okay. So here's my question. Um, you know, sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to step on a minute ago, Puggy, but so, okay, we, we have a bar now. Um, you know, we, we had some love hate with Post Malone, uh, you know, and this episode didn't air, but we had a discussion about Wilco that uh, went a direction <laughs> I didn't see happening. So where uh, does this rate on the Wilco Malone scale? I don't mind. I, I don't mind Post Malone that much. I mean, some of it I don't care for, but most of his stuff is at least listenable. Um, <laughs> this a lot of this was not for me. It, it really was. I uh, chaos is a good word. That's actually uh, my wife used that word because she listened to it before I did, and uh, I think that's that that is an apt description. Uh, a lot of it is chaotic, uh, which can work, but I don't think it did here for me anyway. So. <clears throat> I, this reminds me of the time I brought over Kid A by Radiohead and, and we listened to like four tracks and you took it out and put something else in. I was like, oh, yes, it's taken. Yeah, I'm not a Radiohead. Something else? Yeah. Yeah, you all know I'm not a Radiohead fan either. I think they're so overrated. Because we reviewed Tom York's record, his last one, and uh, that didn't go well with Monday either. Yeah. <laughs> um, I spent some time listening to Fiona's previous album kind of before I took a listen to this new and um, her last album, I, I'll give Jeremy credit. He's, he's got the chaos part, right? Where I felt like the idler wheel, her previous album was a little bit more. Um, I don't know if it's packaged, if it is the word, um, if it's a little, little bit more cohesive, I don't know. Plus it's got that fantastic song, hot knife on it at the end, which is just one of the coolest songs ever. Um, and this does have a feel of chaos, but you have to kind of settle into it and just uh, money wasn't able to punch through obviously because he's stated. So, you know, um, I kind of like to play, maybe we should make up a bingo card. Cause I feel like when you're listening to a Fiona Apple record, even song by song, you have to, there are elements that you're going to hear. You're going to hear something in a minor key, then it's going to go to a major key. You're going to hear some kind of a trash can rhythm, like just noisy percussion. And then you'll settle into a really nice groove that feels really tight. And like Paul said, like the, the bass and the piano will do their own thing. And then all of a sudden they're right back with the melody line and everything's tight again, you know? And so um, I almost kind of listened for those elements. I was kind of waiting to see what was next. Plus all the random apartment noises, the dog barking, <laughs> some, some <laughs> stuff like that made it really cool, which is, <clears throat> You know, Fiona's, she, well, it's not, I'm not going to call it formulaic, but she's definitely got a style and you, you almost know what's coming. You just don't know when it's coming. And to me, that's the, the mystery of listening to an album like this is just kind of going through those, those uh, ups and downs, kind of the roller coaster of it all. Like, and the fact that she can swing vocally from a soft, uh, you know, really soft, whispery vocal um, to a purr, to a roar. And to get that growl at times too, when she really pulls up emotionally, I, I love, I love that sort of dynamic as well. Um, you know, going, going back to Idler, I almost felt like she was 
that last album had like a lot of torch songs. I almost felt like I was in a lounge listening to her sing next to a, like a grand piano or something. And and this she she does a little bit of that, but it's also a lot more raw vocally. And um, yeah, but I try to listen for all those nine or ten different things that she just might throw from her toolbox at you um, musically. So yeah, I'm kind of the I don't know. I'm kind of the fanboy of the bunch, I guess, with her because she, um, I follow her on Instagram and she's not very, you know, into social media and stuff like that. But I've been anticipating this album for a while and it wasn't supposed to come out until like October, I think, or something like that. And she decided to release it early, which is kind of against what the industry is doing, which kind of sounds a lot like what she would do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but it, What's weird for me with a Fiona Apple album is I'm so into the lyrics, number one, that it's almost also like my favorite our author releasing a book because I'm going to hear these little stories mm-hmm. um, and, and written in ways that, you know, will most likely amaze me. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, being a real fan of New Orleans, she's got this Etta James, Ella Fitzgerald feel that she can go into. Sometimes you hear that. You hear that almost Tom and Jerry cartoon style music. It's subtle in the background, you know, that's kind of for that era. And so you don't know what you're going to get from her. And so, you know, when it came out, I listened to it. I think it came out and I, it was like three in the morning and I started listening to it and was a little nervous because it did start off a little um, chaotic. But at the same time, I immediately went into like, this is kind of what I wanted from her. And I know you hated it, Monday, and I can kind of <laughs> see from the outside. I mean, it's almost like my wife doesn't like Nine Inch Nails, and that there's a lot of controlled chaos going on there musically that I love, and she just thinks it's noise. She even came in the other day thinking like something was wrong with our stereo. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to, to uh, Field on Fire by Nine Inch Nails. What the- uh, but you know, for me, it was just like kind of a more intimate experience like because it was the world had stopped it was three in the morning i anticipated this kind of threw back to the day when you waited for an mm-hmm. album to come out and um and i it for me personally it didn't disappoint it was experimental enough that it was so her there were stories there um, under the table such a great track there's so many mm-hmm. um, good things and you did get those piano pieces in there and you did get the angry like joe said you know her voice can go in, in all these directions. So, um, yeah, I didn't do track by track either. I'm just, I was personally very pleased by it. And I just love that she has still has a voice today and kind of still remains in, in my eyes, like an artist, you know, I, I don't know that she's ever cared whether she, she was commercially successful or not. So, um, yeah, I guess if we had a spectrum, Jeremy's social distancing from this album and I'm hugging <laughs> it. So, Yeah. I chuckled there because you said under the table and I just looked to see what I said about that song. And I, I wrote, <laughs> I wrote, hate the opening gets okay. Gets okay. okay. <laughs> see? Under the table it. has one of my favorite lines from any of their songs. What's that? I would beg to disagree, but begging disagrees with me. It's almost like, you know, even though that's the thing to do, she's not going to do it because that's what they would expect. You know, that's like the whole album uh, is is her trying to reclaim herself, so to speak, or look at things in a way that she can deal with them. And um, (laughs) Joe had said her voice was raw. And I think that's the emotionally, this one is very raw. It seems like she's dealing with a lot of things here. Um, 
and she's always got that on her albums, but I think being stripped down, it, it's more clear than any yeah. other album that she's, you know, um, and it's funny because I was taken, I think I listened to two or three songs and I sent you guys a text and I said, Fiona Apple fire, you know, the first yeah. three songs I thought were just amazing. They blew me away right away with the, the pianos and the drums. No. And, um, when it's no. all stripped down like that, it's all jazzy <laughs> and she's singing over it. That's solid yeah. gold there. No, I agree. And I uh, let me, some- let me, okay. Let me run through some of my notes. They're all like one or two lines. This, so you said the first three hated songs, it. hated it. Nope. You said the first three songs, the first yes, song, sir. I want right. you to love me. I, I wrote, what the fuck is this ending? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shamika. I said, this song makes me anxious. I I thought for sure you would say this album has no potential or something like that. <laughs> no. yeah, yes, Fetch the bolt cutters might be my favorite note that I took. I said Lou Reed Lou Reed impression points for dog barks. <laughs> nice. oh, wow. Yeah. So uh what's uh oh relay I said is this a march? Um uh newspaper I said, this is kind of me being a jerk. It just says, feels like a story I should care about, but I don't because it's annoying. <laughs> God. Um, I don't think you gave it a one. <laughs> yeah, no. Quarantine uh, got him down. Actually, ladies and heavy balloon, I kind of liked. Uh, ladies, I said, cool, upright bass. I like the drums. Actually, yeah. don't mind this one. <laughs> Those. Uh, Heavy balloon, I said, uh, dig the percussive groove, and it was kind of all downhill from there. So, I, this I, I, I feel like my gruff uncle just listened to Fiona Apple, man. That was yeah. right. Yeah. Oh, for, yeah. for uh, for cosmonauts, I said, I'd rather listen to Supernaut. Oh, of course. Oh. <laughs> um, the song, uh, for her, my only note was no. <laughs> and tony you'll appreciate this one the last song on i go i said sounds like a crazy nine inch nails song but the but with vocals instead of electronics and 1000 percent more annoying okay <laughs> wow yeah wow. so you spoke about that chaos that nine inch nails has and uh-huh. like i gotta say you know like this is a great example of music. It's 100% subjective. You like what you like and you love what you love and you hate what you hate. Like Nine Inch Nails, when they descend into chaos, it, it, it works for me. I don't know what it is, but it, when they do it, it works for me. When on this album, this Fiona Apple, I, I just, I could not connect with it. And I love that. I love that subjective nature. That's why this is so fun, you know, mm-hmm. like to get everybody's opinions. And uh, another thing to note on the album is obviously there's a lot of people that can talk about it being like this anti men album. Um, and I don't, I think it's just like an anti asshole album. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree. So I didn't take any offense to her. Like so anti really basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then back to fetch the bolt cutters. Like after I knew the title, that's how much Jeremy said like music hits him first. Like I was already, I was already on board just because I thought it was such a clever title and mm-hmm. I wasn't sure. I think I might've texted to you guys, but I, yeah. I wasn't sure if it was like letting somebody out or, you know, what was, 
what that meant, but in, in all the way down to like the word fetch. I like the word fetch. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah. Fetch the bolt cutters. To me, being in the schools, this mm-hmm. one probably hit home the most. When she says the cool kids voted to get rid of me, I'm ashamed of what it did to me. What I let get done, they stole my fun. I mean, mm. that happens all the time in mm-hmm. school because oh, yeah. they care mm-hmm. so much about what everybody else thinks that if they don't, you know, I guess if you're the nerdy kid, I mean, you know, you're not the sporty type, then, you know, they can take that right. away from you. So, yep. I like um, that. <clears throat> Go ahead, while, we're, while we're in that song, too, in, in the, I think it's the second verse, he, she does that little, um, the line about all the VIPs and PYTs mm-hmm. and wannabes. Yeah. So, I mean, yep. that would have been about her time. She actually, with the first, uh, let's see, this would be track three, track two, Shamika. She kind of spends the first couple of tracks in the junior high, high school. I, you know, I don't know if it's mm-hmm. autobiographical that way, but you're, you're totally right that it's a peer pressure uh, response to that. It's a not fitting in type of thing but I, I i caught that vip line i love that especially the pyt part so yeah yeah that was, that great. was great and then shamika fits in so well again with the with where we are in schools joe um it's the first time she's told she had potential i think of all these kids who just skate by and they never hear that they're good at anything or they don't oh, get any kudos yeah 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 um, i wasn't afraid of the bullies that just made the bullies worse Ooh, yeah dang <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> See, so, that's you know that's another thing like i i love these ideas and i you know i'm i i just they didn't get through to me because the music just man i i, I just could not get past it so but i it's, i love these ideas i'm not i don't <laughs> hate her i don't you know hate her expression it's just it's this one's not for me yeah i get that i mean i'm like bob dylan I'd rather hear Eddie Vedder sing, oh. you know, something he wrote than hear Bob Dylan sing his own songs. Yeah, but I've always said he's a hell of a songwriter, but he can't sing for shit. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. I think, I think the um, uh, screenshot for the Facebook page when we post this episode should be Monday's messages to me. Uh, <laughs> and I, I sent your I sent your wife a message while we've been talking Monday. I said, "Pee in your husband's Cheerios, please." <laughs> uh, all right, let's just continue through. We'll just uh, blast through the rest of them. So we get to under the table, which we already mentioned um, about begging to disagree. I love there that she's not going to anybody shut her up. <laughs> You're not going to make her be somebody she's not. And you can always get that sense of somebody like nudging you under the table to not talk. Monday's powers are useless against her. <laughs> <laughs> and that's fine. And the, uh, Joe the, or Tony, do you have any thoughts on that one? The the feeling that they've probably had this fight before they left the house mm-hmm. and now they've made it to the dinner party and she's like just out with it. I mean, in some ways you really feel sorry for the the target of these songs, the guy that took her to this <laughs> dinner party. Poor fella. <laughs> yeah, she does not seem like the kind of person you want to get in an argument with. It probably mm-hmm. won't end well. No. Yeah. Right. Um, relay. I, the, I think the concept here of handing off hatred, like out of spite, is such a cool idea. When she says evil's a relay sport, when the one who's burnt turns to pass the torch. Mm-hmm. But I know if I hate you for hating me, I've entered the endless race. Um, 
It's so true. I mean, the way that we, especially think of social media, man, somebody says something about it, you got to blast back and now I become what they are. And um, I love the concept of that song. Mm-hmm. So can I like, can I just get like a poetry book of this album? Because I feel yeah. like I would like that a lot better. Sure. Just yeah. go read it online and read lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a printer, a binder. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, you know, we go from bullying and uh, picking on, you know, little kids to passing on hate. So definitely getting this album down. Um, Rack of His. I didn't really have any comments about this one. This was one of the most bland for me. How about you guys? Say I didn't even make any notes on this one, so if that tells you anything. I noticed you skipped it when you were talking about <laughs> the tracks. <laughs> um, I, yeah, it did kind of blend in. It's not a bad tune. It's got some nice lines, but I didn't. it didn't stand out to me. Um, okay. Yeah. The next one, Newspaper, is <laughs> just kind of an interesting thing about two girls who share the same guy, kind of. You wouldn't think I that would that be in her wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What'd you say, Johnny? I loved that song, and it was Kyle and I, friend of the show, obviously. <laughs> we had a long discussion about like the note that was left in the pocket of the dress that was left behind. That was, mm-hmm. you know, the uh, the dress of an ex of hers, and uh, I don't know. It was just I thought it was very cleverly written. Yeah. Well, I think all of hers are. I mean, that. Yeah. Sorry, Jeremy. But uh, <laughs> I think they all have. A, I think the key is every song you come out of here, and there is a point. There's some kind of statement that she's making with the songs. They're not just like feel good songs thrown out there, or something you kind of you come away with, and you're like, well, that sounded good. But these, you know, there is a point that she's making in the songs. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. And and this one is a subject wise, it's an interesting concept that she doesn't explore a lot. You know, uh, I can see these two girls at a coffee shop sitting at the table having one thing in common and it's the thing that you know was awful for both of them so yeah that's true i do think newspaper when you go into the next song which is ladies it's a nice segue um because again we're talking about replacing somebody else and doing the comparison thing um which is just you know anytime you can you start comparison it's fatal uh in a relationship um in art whatever you're doing when you start Judging yourself on comparison, that is a bad thing. And yep. so uh, that's and not like good the, in life either. All right, no. That's the song I was talking about. Yeah, and I yeah. love it too Let because that's one to me that sounds like beat poetry. Um, yeah, she does almost, like, yeah, almost raps on it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great song. And I think that was Jeremy's highest rated song, right? Um, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was tolerable. It was hovering at a, at a one and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, easy, easy. Uh, that one almost got a two. <laughs> uh, Joe, you got anything in there? Uh, there was a lot. Oh, the, the ruminations on the looming effect and the parallax view. I, I mean, at this point, lyrically, try to keep up, guys. I mean, it's like, <laughs> right. well, you know, but that's great. That's great. Uh, heavy balloon was ne- I, this one I thought was really cool. Um, and then again, you know, it's just kind of cool because we did NF and he's got his thing, his connection to the balloons, his burdens he's carrying. Yeah. And I thought this was interesting because that too represents sort of this heavy balloon, whether, and I think she even mentions, mentions heroin in the, in the song. Um, 
But then apparently she has just got this other view where she's going to spread like strawberries, climb like peas and beans. I mean, she's overcome whatever it is that's weighing her down, or maybe it's just something that's in general for everybody else. Uh, But I love the concept here. And maybe it's because I connected it in F a little more, but um, I guess I like the connection to balloons. (laughs) Uh, I, I actually wrote that the chorus in this one was catchy as hell. And I almost feel like you can't, I don't know if the word catchy even applies here, you know, but it's just got, um, uh, just, it's just something that all crashes together on that chorus that I hummed that one for a long time after I listened to it the first time, you know, some of her stuff will get you on the first pass and some of it you have to, you have to listen to it a second or a third time. And this was one that on the first time through, there was no doubt it was, it was sticking in there. So cool. Tea bags. Yeah. I kind of like the, like, I don't know what, exactly what she meant by when she was trying to say, like, you know, keep it up to keep the devil at bay. Like as long as I could keep this balloon in the air, you know, that was kind of like a peaceful fun you know, whatever time to move around. But since it's a heavy balloon, it comes down so fast. And I kind of feel like that's kind of how life can be sometimes not to be like a black cloud or anything, but you have these like mm-hmm. brief moments of true, like I'm having a great time and all that stuff. And then the rest of the time is work and stress and all those other things. And it's like, you're just trying to keep that balloon up in the air so you can have a little bit of time. So that line stuck out to me. Yeah. And obviously heavy balloon is sort of oxymoronic. So, it's just fun anyway. Yes. Uh, next song was Cosmonauts. And I know Jeremy hated it, but I, from the moment I heard this, would <laughs> loved it. it. I think Cosmonauts, and then it's got this light song that she's singing. But it's really, I mean, there's more there than what it seems, obviously, because um, you and I will be like a couple of cosmonauts, and she's singing in this very ethereal way, and then accept the way more gravity than we started off. Because... Uh-huh relationships bring responsibilities they bring burdens they bring care for others and all these things that weigh you down so i thought that concept again was pretty cool um and i love the way that that song sounded so just for the record we don't have to say Mm -hmm. that i hated every song like we've established that so we don't have to keep hitting on it well i said the last one you really liked (laughs) yeah (laughs) I really liked it. There was, there was something to the second half of the album, especially these last few songs, that a little more structure, it felt like, kind of came in. And it settled down a little bit. Um, but yeah, that, that, I really loved this song a lot, too. And I don't remember any specific line that stuck out you know, for me, but I have actually just kind of put this album on repeat. So I probably listened to it three times in the first day. <laughs> And it's just now I'm getting super familiar with the songs and getting like, you know, Joe said, there's things that hit you later on. So um, I guess it's not really commentary on this song other than this kind of fits into that back end of the album that has another feel to me. And I love it. Cool. Joe? I love how uh, Cosmonauts starts out really sparse. Um, you're dead on with the vocals, but it does start really sparse and fills out eventually. I think her her voice soars on this one. It's, it was a good track. So the next one for her, 
man, <laughs> talk about a song that takes a turn. It's like um, <laughs> we're in the sound of music. Good morning. <laughs> you raped me in the same bed your daughter was born in. Hello. Um, it's heavy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, I did look that one up because that one, I, I didn't know if she had been raped. I didn't know there was a backstory there, but apparently it was not her. Uh, but it was somebody maybe who had been, but didn't say she was, was she and convinced she probably was. And so that's where that came from. But boy, what a juxtaposition of good morning. And then you raped me in the same bed. That was like, it slammed me. Yeah. Then I'll jump in at once. (laughs) (laughs) I don't, that's one thing. Like when that song started playing and then I heard that, I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. What? What, what are we doing? And yeah, that that one caught me a little off guard too. <laughs> yeah, I it, as we all pause there, I think that's the effect of that line. Um, <laughs> right. When I when I heard it, um, I almost kind of steeled myself real quick because I thought she's going to say this twelve more times, isn't she? <laughs> Thank God it was the only you know one pass through. She only says it that one time, but yeah, she kind of lulls into this like sense of. And it's a peppier song. It's a it's a really kind of an upbeat song compared to the rest of the album. And then whack. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ooh, you're mad. Yeah. I guess that's kind of the delight of her. <laughs> you just mm-hmm. like we said, you don't expect what you're gonna get. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. So we have two to go. Drum sets next. This one appears to be about a breakup. Maybe a drum set that was left, a reminder of of someone. I didn't have a lot of notes. This one really didn't hit me. Um, I think it was just coming off of for her. Um, I don't know how you follow that up. So uh, drum set just kind of iffy for me. I didn't make any notes on this one either. So it didn't have <laughs> much. didn't have much of an impact for me either. I liked it. Um, I don't know. She sometimes has a really great way of articulating things, especially in that breakup realm, you know, or where it kind of rides on like she can admit that she gave so much that some, she gave so much that by someone leaving, they're able to take it all away, you know? So that vulnerability and then also like her little anger flaring up and saying, you know, you've got to lie. You're a man. Um, And so, and and you do that, you know, you go through those phases when you've broken up with someone, but she uniquely, in my opinion, I mean, all the way back to like the title album, you know, the, the album title from back in the day yeah she always kind of came out with being able to articulate it but also having her own little like uh smokiness you know <laughs> that you know and 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 truth and that vulnerability that someone if someone can take everything away from you you probably gave way too much to them you know true <clears throat> i this is the song here i mean i know what you guys are saying i think one thing i did notice out of this one given the title was drum set i felt like the rhythm was the most tight on this one too it had a pulse kind of mm-hmm. consistent, you know loop to it um and it, it was definitely fun to listen to i didn't dig deep into the lyrics on it at all um it was on in the background when i was doing some technical works but um it definitely that moment stood out to me just kind of hearing that kind of repeat and, and hang on for quite a bit for for the tune yeah. yeah, called called drum set based. You know, most most solid rhythmic track. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, I like the fact he thought he made a clean break. He took the drum kit, but the rug, the carpet that's underneath the the, dr- the drums is still there. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe an oversight on his part. Maybe it was a crappy piece of carpet, whatever. Uh, I know what those things are, are like, so. Well, it's his fault because next time he has a gig, that thing's going to be flying all over the stage. I know. He's going to play on a tile floor and it's going to scoot across. <laughs> Got to have the drum rug. <laughs> She'll get the last laugh. <laughs> yeah. As she sits in her apartment and cries. I also think, I also think that, uh, you know, we're talking about that she records in her apartment and she puts it out when she wants to, as opposed to coming out in October. And this, these are the things that I love, like picturing in my head, like, if drum set, you know, once she's got that down, it's like, this is going to be the tightest produced drum thing. Well, you know, just the little nuances about how to really like go to the next level with making your art all tied together. And yeah, I said it before, but she, I think she just does what she wants to do. And, you know, but, but has these little like cohesive pieces in there. So I, Tony, I think you are 100% correct. And I think that the last song, On I Go, just basically what you just said is that last song. It's just a mantra that says, you know, I'm not going to follow any direction. I'm not going to follow any groove. I only (laughs) move to move. I will do what I want to do when I want to do it. Um, There's only four lines repeated. On I Go, not toward or away. I've got no direction, right? I only move to move. And this album really pretty much says that it's like she's gone. It's been very cathartic. She's moved through relationships. She moved through her childhood, all these things that have affected her over life. And then this is what comes out in the end. I'll do what I want to do. Yeah. And uh, I think that attitude and the words and all of that stuff is a very good companion piece to extraordinary machine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That if there was a better way to go, it would find me. I can't help but the road just rolls out behind me, you know, and being an extraordinary machine. I think she's come to terms with that as an artist that, she does what she does, and it's and it maybe she's on a whim of where the art takes her, so there is no direction. But you know, be kind to me, or or what she say, be kind to me, or something. I'm an extraordinary mean. machine. Yeah, keep it mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know exactly you, what you're talking about. But yeah, I think she views herself as an extraordinary machine without without really a lot of ego attached to it. You know, but mm-hmm. resilient. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I got to say that, you know, <clears throat> I don't know her personally and I don't know her journey. I mean, and this seems pretty intimate and exposed in that regard. But to say that, you know, this isn't about the artistry and, and the life with press and media as a musician. I mean, that that goes a long way. I mean, this is like peeling a Band-Aid off and really kind of letting some some stuff out there. And, and uh, it's brave to me, for one. It's also uh, probably therapeutic in a lot of ways, too. Um, so that piece of it really kind of stuck out to me too, you know, and when I started to unfold, you know, the meaning of the title and, and hearing just how everything kind of seemed again, int- intentional, it, it made me appreciate the album in, in that regard. The, of course, this isn't the sound I go out and seek on a regular basis, but um, I, it was definitely a, a welcome, fresh perspective for me. And, and I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed it. And, um, I will definitely listen to it again. 
I was reminded, even though it's completely unrelated, uh, I'm a big Regina Spector fan too. My wife and I really yeah. enjoy her. Yeah, um, you know, because she she has some some moments of of uh, quirkiness in her music for sure. And so that quirkiness aspect really stuck out and reminded me of Regina. But this just went to a completely different level with um, you know just again the fluidness, the airy nature, and and that sort of thing. But uh, nonetheless, it, it definitely kind of switched my mood a little bit and makes me want to go and listen to some Regina Spector and go check out some extra Fiona Apple from the discography. Excellent. Excellent. All right, let's do some final thoughts and uh, final scores. Uh, yeah. Joe, what do you have? <clears throat> well, I'm going to, uh, you know, Paul's comparison to Regina Spector is right on i had some some thoughts too i thought you know at times when it comes to female musicians i i i will revolve four or five in and out of the top who's the top you know is it uh is it tori amos is it ani defranco is it fiona apple is it nico case you know and i think that in my mind with this effort fiona takes the takes the crown for a while and i i kept listening to her music and i just kept thinking you know we're gonna have to get a replacement and and you guys can bash me for this comparison but but we're going to have to get a Tom Waits replacement at some point and uh when she throws in elements of beat poetry when she throws in the rhythmic stuff uh Tom doesn't get as interpersonal with his music as he he shades more to the poetic but I kept thinking you know this is a nice break if I want to get away from Tom's music I want something a little more edgy but I think she's got that vibe so I think she's definitely solid in that pantheon of of those that that style of musician so um well i thought it was a fiery album it's another album that we're going to look back on during this time period and say it was almost like she had a premonition that we were all going to be stuck in our apartments uh, <laughs> making noise you know so <laughs> um and i love i love the, the 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 fierceness of that last song that coda i'm going to make an album when i feel like making an album and and i'll see you guys when i see you type thing so Mm -hmm. uh, to me, it was a really solid effort, and I'm I'm glad I got back into Fiona on this one because I'd kind of put her aside. But uh, I'm going to give it a, a four and a half out of five. Right on. JPP, what do you give it? Well, I uh, you know kind of went through my summary. I'm just going to add one thing. When this quarantine's over and there's the all clear and we can go out safely, I'm going to come on over to the hometown. I'm going to pick Monday up. We're going to go drive to a record store, and I'm going to put this on repeat as we drive. <laughs> put the child locks on. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Now I'm going to I'm going to give it a solid four. Um, you know, again, I went in going, "What's going on?" and I left going, "Okay, I I see." You know, and I could be way off base, but I, I have an interpretation of it that I came to enjoy. Um, we'll listen to it again and again. I'm going to go start digging into some discographies of other artists and her um, as a result. Cool. Feedbacks, what do you have? Uh, that's a really great commentation. I agree with lots of, that you both said. And, and it did make me, even though I'm a fan of hers, there's just so much music and so much out there that like she just fell to the wayside a little bit. It might come up on a playlist here and there, but it made me deep dive again into the back catalog and which was super refreshing for me. So, um, and I applaud the effort for all the way from the title to the experimental nature of being vulnerable, great lines. So, I mean, it's like a 4.875 for me. Specific. I love it. Yes. <laughs> hmm. Well, Monday, do you want to take a final 
commentary before. And now for something up. completely different. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul, I that uh, uh, Paul, I have to say, if we do that, that's cool. But that will be the last time we ever hang out. <laughs> um, <clears throat> no, I, I, you know, I, I don't go deep on Fiona Apple. I when her first album came out, it absolutely blew me away. Especially once you found out how young she was and all of that. Uh, I I love that album. I will always love that album. I didn't really follow up with her much after that. Um, just, you know, it's one of those things that life happens and I can't take everybody with me. So, um, and I don't, I, I hate to come across as such a hater on this album, but it, it just, I mean, I don't know, man, my ear, my ear couldn't find it. So, <laughs> I, I I love the message of a lot of songs. I you know I, I appreciate that and it, but I, it just the music killed me and I I couldn't hang with it. So I'm glad you all liked it, but I I I did not. So <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that's that's okay. That's okay. One thing I want to say before you get to your Steve is uh, Jeremy just mentioned the first album and how young she was and being blown away and all that. And it's funny because you don't see it at the time, but like this may be in a way a different genre, but Billie Eilish, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, is making waves, being thing. very artistic, young. 20 years from now, people might be talking about her album that she's doing in her apartment. So uh, I can't anyways. imagine if she is still making music in 20 years that it will sound like what she's doing now. Right. I would what, she, what she does now is very much of this time and of her generation. Right. And I can't yeah. imagine she will sound like that forever. No, but it'll be very interesting to see if she doesn't care, continues to be an artist, you know, yeah. then she's that's great. In her apartment. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's all. I love watching artists evolve. I, Same. you know, people crap all over like Metallica is the biggest example of the world. People crap all over them, but Oh, they don't sound like master of puppets anymore. Oh, listen to their, fir- listen to their first album. Listen to their second album worlds yeah. apart. Yep. Yeah. They've been like that since <clears throat> the beginning. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if you're a fan, be a fan. And it's yeah. tough when you find like Joe said earlier, he wasn't calling it for a formula, but it was a style. And so Metallica is going to be Metallica when you hear them but they're going to experiment and evolve too. Yep. And that's why they're so huge and beloved, you know? So, yep. Indeed. <clears throat> I think right, that's silly to ask of an artist to not evolve. You know that's what I mean? Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. 20 years later, why would they want to redo the same album they made 20 years? It's just insane. You're not, not the, the same person. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. People grow, people change and they're not the same person. So why would they make the same music? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's ridiculous. And now um, my polka album. Oh wait, <laughs> I buy that. I'm, I'm all for that. I am too. Steve, what's your what's your number and, and final thoughts? Uh, final thoughts. I will say this, Jeremy. If if I hadn't initially loved the sound, I don't know that I ever would have dug into the lyrics and then fully fell in love with the album the way that I did. So the fact that when I heard that initial piano and drums. And I, that little, I was just, you know, I was enthralled. That was it right there. I was in to win it. So then I started digging into the lyrics and that's when it brought it home for me. Uh, and we talked about those first three songs or whatever and all the things that hit home to me in my job 
and what I see every day with kids. And that really spoke to me. And then it's just like every little thing in the songs, you could relate to some aspect of your life or some, something you've seen in relationships. And you almost watch this person, you know, grow uh, throughout the album until she gets to the end. And so I Sorry, think I'm choking. I'll be right back. You may choke all you like. <laughs> but um, so for me, it was it pretty much was a perfect album. There were a couple of songs I don't love that I won't necessarily go to individually, but I will listen to this album as a whole again and again uh, because I do love the concept. And I love the thoughts and I love the message and I love the ending, how it is empowering. Mm-hmm. So I would give this easily a four and a half out of five. And I can't wait to see what she does next awesome. because she definitely has evolved. As much as I loved Extraordinary Machine, this is vastly different. Yeah. It sounds vastly different. And yet I love it the same. So I can't wait to see what she does next. And much like the dog barks fit in the album, Monday's jokes fit <laughs> oh, in your description man. of the album in the background. <laughs> I took a drink and it went down the wrong way. And I was like, oh, crap. I don't know where the mute is on this. <laughs> <laughs> BRB. Uh, so, while, so while we were talking, you know, I, I texted your wife. I, sl- I slid in the DMs Monday. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> so she, she replied because she's like, I'm listening. I'm in the same room. And she's like, I will say, is it really genius? I know she's good, but it's very anxiety driven. Definitely more of an artist's album, not for radio play, which is fine. Can't listen to this one on a family trip. You listen to this one while you're hiding from your kids in the basement on quarantine. Excellent timing, oh. I say. Gotta I would disagree help. with that because it would make me more anxious and upset. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, let me send you some uh, avant-garde electro that I, that I have in my library here. I would say if art makes you uncomfortable, it's done its job. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the whole yeah. thing is it wants to make you feel something in some way. <sighs> I now, guess. doesn't make you want to hate things, hopefully. <laughs> feel. I agree yeah. with that. It should make you feel something, but I, I don't, I don't feel like what I felt was the point of what she was trying to do. <laughs> Nausea yeah. was not the feeling that she was going for. Is what you're saying? <laughs> Get off my lawn. <laughs> That's excellent. I would, you know what? If you lied and said you loved it, I would hate that. So I'm glad uh, you were honest with I, us. And I couldn't do that with a straight face. boy. <laughs> okay, so next week we're going to be reviewing briefly Monday. You want to tell everybody? Oh, are you talking about my close personal friend Glenn Danzig? I his, am. His brand new album of all Elvis covers. <laughs> I don't remember what it's called, but yeah, it's pretty amazing. They've been talking about this for a long, long time. And I've heard one song off of it and it's definitely interesting. And it, it, his vocals are, it's, he's going for a feel. I'll just say that. Yep. It is called Danzig Sings Elvis. There you go. That is the title. So we will be foregoing doing a Lester Bangs inspired challenge next week so that we can fit Glenn Danzig in there. And then our second album review, which we'll be doing a full album review, will be AWOL Nations new album so um hopefully that'll be good that's called angel miners and the lightning riders so all right yeah sounds exciting 
Boys, before we head out of here, where can we find you on social media? Joe Reif, where are you? I'm on Twitter, at Joe Reif, and on Instagram, Elrey4, E-L-R-E-Y, number four. Come see me. Excellent. Metalhead. I'm on Instagram, at Metalhead Monday. Fantastic. JPP. Instagram, just plain Paul, all one word, best place to catch me. You can also find us hanging out on the Facebook page occasionally as well, at Wanderings and Wool Gathering. Cool. Teabags. I am burnt out, so I do not want to be found. <laughs> <laughs> and you can find me at Foggy's Pal on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find Wanderings and Wool Gathering at rock985.com. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. Any place else that we, yes, Spotify. Here we are on Spotify. We are on Spotify. We're on Google Play and we're on Castbox. There you go. Fantastic. Until next week, everyone, we will see you. Bye now. <laughs>